Well, I want to start this morning by just confessing something to you and letting you know that I have a hidden love, a hidden love in my life. And uh, now I got your attention, I know, okay? A hidden love in my life. Some of you are thinking that it's Whataburger, okay? But the reality is that's been a very public love. I have shared that with all of you. On a regular basis, and, uh, and, and so you know that. By the way, I was sitting with Hope drinking coffee one morning uh, just within the last week or so, and she uh, was, I think she was looking at Facebook or something like that, and she said, did you know that Whataburger is, they've created a, a national holiday, and it's, it's the, the Whataburger Day, and uh, they're giving away a free burger on that day, August 8th. And it just so happens to be the same day as my wedding anniversary. The two loves of my lives are converging together on that day. And I'm not joking, I started to tear up at that moment. The two loves of my life. And Hope and I, at the exact same time, no joke, both said, and in no particular order. Okay, (laughs) she said that too. You're thinking, you love Patty Melts more than Hope? No, no. Well, maybe just a little. Okay, I'm, I'm, but seriously, on that day, but, but those are my public loves, okay? I've got, a, I've got a little more of a hidden love that I'm going to confess to you today, and here's what it is. I, I love trash cereal. I love this stuff. This is some, I, I love Captain Crunch. Anybody love that? I love it. Okay, I love some of these others right here, Fruity Pebbles, Straight Sugar, Count Chocula takes me back to whenever I was a kid watching Saturday morning cartoons, okay? You got Frankenberry, and I noticed at Sam's, they still sell this stuff, okay? I nearly bought some yesterday as I was looking at that, and uh, you've got these here. Uh, and, and, and now, I got to tell you, though, one of my faves, this is my fave right here, Lucky Charms. I love Lucky Charms, and I remember, we're going to have a bigger stage too by that time. Um, I remember, you know, kind of sitting back as a kid, and it just takes me back, okay? Now, I don't eat this stuff as much as I used to. In fact, I would tell you that uh, in my freshman year in college, uh, we had this, this whole wall in the cafeteria that was all these different kinds of cereal, and you could have as much of this as you wanted, I was like, I was in heaven, okay, as I went, and my, so, so my staples were Lucky Charms, Mountain Dew, and 59-cent tacos at Taco Bell, and my freshman 15 quickly went to a freshman 40, just letting you know that did happen to me, that I gained a lot of weight, but, but I love the Lucky Charms. I love the Lucky Charms, and do you know what makes up the Lucky Charms, right? You've got, you've got the brown stuff in there, and that's okay, it's got a little sugar on it, but it's made up of marshmallows. You've got the marshmallows, and they're delicious. Okay, I even told the choir, I said, nobody better touch me lucky charms, okay? All right, don't mess with me, me lucky charms. I love the marshmallows. I love the sweet stuff. And I remember as a kid, I remember on Saturday mornings, whenever I would eat this stuff and I'd be watching cartoons, I would pick out the marshmallows and leave the brown stuff. And then I'd go get more to get more marshmallows because it's straight sugar. And I'm, I'm, I've already had a bunch of this in the first service. I'm letting you know, all right? I'm, so I'm going to be a little wired today because I'm just straight sugar because I'm snacking on this while I'm preaching today. Just, I know some of you want some. I know I've got a big box. Come see me after church, okay? I'll help you out. But, but here is the thing. It's made up of, of, of the marshmallows, and I would pick out the marshmallows, pick out the sweet stuff. And I want to suggest to you today that 
this bowl of lucky charms, how we can pick out the sweet stuff is oftentimes how many of us will go about the teachings of Jesus. That we will, we will pick out the sweet stuff. We like the marshmallows. By the way, y'all know they sell the marshmallows. Cut out the middleman. They just sell the marshmallows now. I think that's glorious, okay? But, but we, we like, we like the, the sweet things that Jesus would say that really bring a lot of comfort to our heart. And we should. We should enjoy those, okay? I'm not dismissing those things. You know, where he, where he would say things like, all of you who are weary and your burden, come to me and I will give you rest. That's a marshmallow, That's sweet, and it brings sweetness to our soul, and we enjoy that. It's good, I'm telling you, okay? Or, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his, Jesus said this, you know this, right? That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him not perish but have everlasting life. That's the sweet stuff. That's the good stuff, and we should enjoy that. I'm enjoying it, okay? Um, Or, um, you know, you think about... uh, where Jesus would, would talk, and he would talk about this rest. You come to me for rest. He would talk, and he would say all of these kinds of things that would bring this joy to our soul, the sweetness to our soul. In my Father's house are many rooms. He would say, and, and we love that, and that's powerful. How about this one? Pray for those who persecute you. That's the brown stuff. Um... Love your enemies. No thanks. Yuck. <laughs> the, the team afterwards having fun, cleaning up, okay? Uh, they didn't know I was doing this today. Or um, what is, how about this one? It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's not bad, but that's not a marshmallow. You know what I mean? How about this one? Go the extra mile when someone asks you to go one mile. Not a marshmallow to me. They're sticking to my hands, okay? All right, they're so sugary. Um, love your enemies. No thanks, Jesus. Everything that Jesus said was not always the sweet stuff. Now, as, as, as we start kind of working through the things that Jesus would say, okay, now the sweet stuff is good. I'm not discounting. We shouldn't discount that. We, he gave that to us. Those are great things. The marshmallows are good things in our soul. But, but what many of us will do is we'll just pick out only the marshmallows. And then whenever it comes to something that might actually challenge me to change an attitude or the way that I'm living, we just kind of disregard that and just go for the marshmallows and you're saying, Bart, that if I would actually eat the, the other stuff too to consume the whole bowl, now the analogy breaks down, don't go have this, but, but it would be a little bit more like maybe, maybe a bowl of cereal that's a little bit more like that, okay? That's, that's actually no sugar added kind of cereal, not the kind that I love, but you know what I mean. But in the long run, it might not taste as great up front, but in the long run, it's going to be a little better for me in my life? It's going to have some lasting results that's not just going to be a short, sweet sugar high that I get for a few moments just because it tastes so sweet? You're saying that, that, that there's some choices to be made about, about what I'm going to do with some of the things that Jesus says. 
And the reality is, yes, is that so many of us, even as believers, we go through this, this, this gospel that we read about Jesus and we hear the things that he's saying and we skip over some of the things that are a little more challenging. These things that, that Jesus would say are going to actually bring you a full and abundant kind of life, but they're a little tougher to swallow up front. It's what Jesus would say. But he didn't exactly say it like that. I realize this. I'm really, I'm really paraphrasing this. There are the things that actually, if you, Jesus would say, if you'll do these things, they maybe aren't as sweet up front, but they're going to be the kinds of things that will set you free in your life. They're going to be the kinds of things that will actually give you real joy and real life, and you're going to experience something that's going to really be healthy for you. Not just only getting to heaven one day, but this is what I'm telling you. We're going to be looking at the abundant life that Jesus said you can have right now. But a lot of us, we just want a sugar-coated gospel. We don't want to consume the things that are going to challenge us to change. To die to self. To do the hard things. This series is called Choices, by the way. Have you found this to be true in your life? That usually it's the hardest things that are the best and right things? Otherwise, there would be, right, everybody would be doing them. But it's these, it's these hard things. Jesus isn't, I paraphrased it, but Jesus is going to say it like this, okay? He is giving the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. And there are listeners who have come from all over and he has packed this message with deep truth, confronting, challenging truth. Yes, full of some marshmallows, but also filled with some things that are going to turn things upside down for his listeners. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And then he's going to conclude with words like this. He's going to say in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be in Matthew 7. And then, and then we're going to be here for a few weeks, okay? Jesus is going to say as he concludes his message, class is about to be dismissed. The bell is about to ring. People are about to go down off of the hill and go back into their real life. And now he's going to say, but before you go, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Seems like a strange conclusion. The highway to hell, okay, that also translates like this. The road to destruction or a life that is filled with all kinds of chaos and like a lot of our lives where there's this destruction that just follows us in our relationships and in our, we, we, we live a life without peace and joy. This life of destruction is broad and its gate is wide for the, look, the many who choose that way. He is saying at the end of his message, you and I, we have a choice to do something with this content. It's to, it's to either just pick out only the marshmallows or it's to do something with all of this. That's what's going to bring you, that's what's going to bring you real life. But he says this, but the gateway, the gateway to life is very narrow though. 
And the road is, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat his message. The road is difficult. Sometimes it's really hard to make the right choice. And he says this, it's difficult and only a few ever find it. Jesus talks about, in this conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount, he talks about two roads, and that's what we want to talk about today. But then he also is going to talk about two kinds of trees. We're going to talk about that next week. And then he's also going to talk about people who build their lives on two kinds of foundations. The thing that he's doing is he's drawing a huge contrast between people who hear what he has taught and people who, and they do nothing with it, and then people who have heard it and they actually put it into practice in their life. He is drawing a conclusion to this powerful, powerful message. Now, you should know some things about when Jesus taught this, okay? I think this is so incredible, and it just, I got to see this a few months ago, that uh, Jesus taught on this hillside. His popularity was soaring at this time. People were coming from all over just to hear him teach. And on this particular day, uh, Jesus is on this, on this mountainside. It's right next to the Sea of Galilee. I walked there just a few months ago. It was incredible to see it and to think and envision of all these people who were coming to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. It's in the northern part of Israel, a very beautiful area right next to this place where, where Peter and John and many of them lived. And Jesus grew up not far from there. And, and, and now he's walking through there and the crowds are coming from all over because, well, he has healed people and people are coming to him because maybe he can do something for me. Many of them were desperate. They didn't have the kind of, you know, medical care and things like we have today. Many were desperate. Many were curious to know about him and to know about these teachings. Nobody had ever taught like this before. And they were wondering, could he be the Messiah in their mind, the one who was going to not deliver them from sin and hell, but the one who would deliver them from the oppression of the Romans who were occupying their land. Could he be that guy? I mean, he's doing miracles. He's teaching like nobody has ever taught before. Could it? So they're flocking around him and Jesus seizes the moment with them and he sits down because teachers would sit down and teach. And he began to unpack a message before them that would talk about specifically these deep truths of how our relationship with God, the vertical, is absolutely connected with the horizontal in our relationships with one another. And he's going to say some things that are very sweet to the soul, but he's going to not sugarcoat his message. He's going to say some things it's packed with information. It's packed with things like they'd never heard before. But in the very conclusion, he says, but you got to decide what you're going to do with what I just told you. I, I can and I'm not going to make you live this. you got to decide which road you want to walk on as you go down this hillside. you got to decide which kind of tree you want to be. You need to decide which foundation you are actually going to build your life on. This is what Jesus says. It is an abrupt conclusion. The bell rings and everybody begins to go down the hill back into their reality. Jesus talks about these two roads. I want you to see, I love how uh, when he finished his message, I love how Eugene Peterson writes in the paraphrased version the message. Here's kind of what he said happened, okay? He paraphrases it, and this is what it says in Matthew 7, 28. When Jesus 
concluded this address or his address, the crowd burst into applause because you know what? It sounded good up on the hill. It sounded great. Doesn't it always when you're in church and doesn't it always when you're up on the mountaintop with God? Sounds good up there. It bust, they bust, burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. This was so different than what they were used to because their religious teachers were not. Which is one of the things that that kind of hypocrisy is what turns us off. And Jesus was living this stuff. He wasn't just telling them, go do this. I, I, I don't need to do, Jesus was living this. They were seeing him live this out. It was apparent. He was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious teachers. And I love this. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Nobody had ever taught like that before. Nobody will ever come close again. They were captivated by these truths, life-changing truths. He's urging them, though, in the conclusion to make a tough choice, to decide what you're going to do with the information. And what he's saying is, I didn't come to give you more rules. I didn't come to make life harder for you. As many of you feel as you, as you kind of, when we talk about religion, it's like, man, it's just here to like weigh me down more. In fact, Jesus would say one of those marshmallows, the sweet, Thing, he would say, if you're burned out on religion, come to me. But Jesus said, what I'm trying to tell you is that the key to the blessed life is by consuming all of what I say to you. But it's going to sometimes not taste good up front. You're going to have to make some tough choices. You're going to have to choose to die to yourself in certain ways. And what he's saying is... And when you do, if you do, you're going to be on a narrow road. You're going to be on a road that's not going to be packed with people because it's not the popular road. Jesus calls these people to follow him, not just picking out only what they want to hear. He says, if you follow me, I want you to follow me completely and wholly and totally. I want your life. And that's how you have the happy life. That's how you have the good life. That's how you, it's, it's not about your circumstances. There's something that's going on inside of you. What road are you on? Which kind of tree are you? What foundation are you building your family, your life upon? Jesus takes it strong to the hoop. And he calls for a response. I'm believing this over the next few weeks. As I've been praying about this series, praying for myself, praying for you. Remember, I'm in it with you. What, what the Lord is, is, is speaking to me about, and I believe he's going to speak to many of us about, is this, is that a lot of times we make the wrong choice. We know Jesus maybe as our Savior, but we still are making the wrong choices, and we're kind of, we're, we're not living as a follower of Christ. We're living just a little bit more kind of on the, on the broad road of the way that culture goes, and what culture says is the way to true life. There might be an attitude over the next few weeks that the Lord, if you will open yourself up to him today, that the Lord will speak to you about, that you and I, we might need to adjust. There might be even a person that annoys you deeply, okay, um, and, and you struggle with this person, but the Lord wants some reconciliation in that, and he might speak to you about that. I'm not going to speak to you about it. He might speak to you. If you'll open your heart, 
He may call you to make a tough choice and humble yourself with somebody. He, he may speak to you about, um, about even an enemy that he wants you to bless in some kind of way. That's not the marshmallow, is it? But we can't disregard what he's saying is the way to freedom, the way to true freedom while you live as a follower of Christ. Bottom line is what he says is to do what I say and to trust me and to, and to swallow the stuff that's not always the easiest and the sweetest, but to take that tough stuff in as well. Jesus calls us to do these things. He may call us to forgive someone a trespass. He may call us to, relate, to, to reconcile in a relationship. I, I just want you to know that it's not about information these next few weeks. What we believe and what we believe Jesus is calling us to is not information. It's transformation. It's actually taking the things that he nudges us in our hearts about. And here's the key. Doing something about it. Not just saying Good message, Pastor Bart. Put that encourage me, and I love it. Trust me, I love it. But you know what God would love more? When we do what he says. And we live differently. This is what he wants, okay? It's not a sugar-coated cereal. Now, I want to make a couple of observations and give you an application, but I want you to go back with me to verse 13, and I want you to see something. He says, verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the... Narrow gate. The narrow gate. What in the world is he talking about? He talks about this road to the narrow gate. So go back with me up to the hillside. He's up on that hill and he's talking. And I think that when Jesus was talking about this narrow road, narrow gate, what you should know is that he probably had this in mind. Back in this time, Major cities like Jerusalem had walls that went all the way around them, okay? And these walls were to protect them from enemies that would seek to come in. And during the daytime, they had gates that were all the way around. Jerusalem had 12 gates, I believe, that was all the way around. But there was a major gate that would be open during the day, okay? And it was a, a huge gate that was, was big enough for a lot of people to come through all at one time, there was a lot of commerce that was going on inside and outside the city. People were able to get big animals through there, you know, and, and they would come in and out. And then at night, what they would do with this gate is they would close all the gates because the enemies would often attack at night. They'd close the gates, but many of these big gates had a little gate within the big gate. And they would close everything off, and you'd have to go through that narrow gate to get into the city, and they would really be observing who was coming in and out. Sometimes they'd just close it all together. And I really think that those people back up on that hill were understanding what Jesus was talking about when he talked about gates. We just don't think much about this. Or, and Jesus very abruptly says, you have to make a choice to go through the narrow gate. It's not going to be this broad road that everybody else is on that everybody else is doing. That is a road, the broad road. He says it's like a super highway. And it's the one that is packed with people because let's just be real, it's the easier way to live. To just do what everybody says and just to live, like go along with culture 
And Jesus just says, but here is the thing, back as he brings us to a close, he says this, it's not going to be popular. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to be like everyone else. You're going to be on, you're going to be on a road that is going to be a lot more narrow. And it, it sounds great when you're up on the hillside. It sounds good when you're sitting in church and you hear some of these things that might challenge you a little bit. But we all know the real challenge is whenever you walk out that door. The real challenge is whenever you walk down the hill from meeting with the Savior, your Lord. You've heard it. You've loved it. And I just envision this, this guy who heard this, okay? You're on the hill with all those other people. Just think about you being like this guy right here. This guy heard the message. He thought, man, that is so good. I want to have the whole bowl, Jesus. I want my life to be different. I, I, I'm tired of living the way that, you know, that we've been talking about is the way to live. And then he starts making his way down the hill. Maybe he gets on his camel, okay? And he's on his camel, and he runs into a guy who cuts him off on his camel, okay? And there, there, there starts up a little camel road rage that begins to happen. Y'all know I'm preaching to myself whenever I talk about these things, okay? And, and, and he's like, now i got to decide what I'm going to do with the things that Jesus said up on the up on the hill that sounded so good, but now I'm down here where real life is happening. Or maybe it's a little bit more like this. It's a guy that he actually really knows. And this is a guy that he can't stand. The guy is so obnoxious. I'm just going to give him a name, okay? All right? We'll just call him Randy, okay? Um, <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Let's call him Larry because it's going to feed back to Randy that I'm bad-mouthing it. But let's just say, if your name's Larry, uh, it's not you, okay? But, but let's just say it's Larry, and he, he works with this guy, or he runs into him down there, and he cannot stand this guy. And his thought is, that sounded so awesome up on the hillside, but Jesus, you don't know this guy the way I know this guy. This guy's an idiot, He's the brainless wonder. You don't realize how obnoxious and what a jerk he is to me. And, you know, and, and if I let, if I don't address some of the stuff that he tries to do, he's going to run over me. And so now this guy is dealing with this guy. And his attitude towards this guy is so different than when he was on the hillside listening to Jesus. Now he has this seething contempt. He even has an air of superiority over this guy named Larry, okay? And he struggles with this guy. This guy would be what we call around here an EGR. And if you've been around, you know what that is. An extra grace required. Do you have an EGR in your life? You raise your hands if you do, okay? All right. All right. I know more of you do than you're letting on. You got, you got an EGR, an extra grace required person. All right. If you didn't raise your hand, that, it might be you. I don't know, okay? All right. You don't realize. But, but here is the reality. It's, it's somebody that you struggle with, with and, and it's somebody that you just can't, when their name comes up, there's no peace in your heart, you can't stand this guy, you have a real problem with this guy, the message on the hill made sense. When Jesus said this on the hill, before he concluded, he said things like this, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. I'm listening, I'm thinking, I got this down. I, I, I'm going through, I, you know, I'm pretty, I like how Danny said, I'm pretty good at being good. 
I got the outside stuff down. I don't have this, I'm not looking to kill anybody. I haven't done that. And he says this, you mustn't murder. But if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. And we're like, of course. Then Jesus said, well, let's see if this is a marshmallow. But if I say, if you are even angry, this word for anger here, we're all going to get angry. It's a human emotion. But this is a word that speaks of this simmering contempt that you have for a per- It's a grudge. It's this, it's this air of superiority over another people. He says, but if you're angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. <laughs> the next part. If you call someone an idiot, that is not a marshmallow. <laughs> That's that contempt. It's a contempt. You are in danger of being brought before the court. What he's saying is there's judgment that is attached with this kind of attitude. If you curse someone on your camel, okay, he doesn't say, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So look at what he connects with this. So he's talking about this, this horizontal relationship. And then he says, he goes straight to the vertical with God. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, oh, you know how to look like a church person. You've got the religious behavior down. You're not murdering anybody. You're, you know what I mean? You, you maybe even look like you have it all together. Look what he says. If you're there at the altar and you realize that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. He's saying, I want you to value your relationship with others, even the ones that are hard to love. It's important that you you do what you can do. You can't make another person reconcile with you. You do what you can do to be sure that you are doing everything to make that relationship right is what he's saying, okay? You do what you can do. And he goes, says, go and be reconciled to that person. Do you know what that is going to require right there? Humility, not pride. That is going to require forgiveness. It's going to require initiative. He's going to begin to talk about these things. And he says this, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So often we feel like all that really matters is what is happening here, the vertical. And it is important. But he says the other stuff with each other matters too. And he's saying they're related. You have to be humble. And then he's saying... Go do something with this, but it's going to put you on the narrow road. It's not the popular way of behaving. Many of us, we think if I just kind of do the religious stuff and I'm good at the behaviors outside, Jesus is saying what I want you to do is I want you to, that stuff is good, but I want you to really deal with what's going on in here. Because what's going on in here is, what, is what's going to produce what's coming out here. And he says, I want you to take care of this, but it's going to put you on the narrow road. I envision this guy walking down the hill, another guy, let's say this. And he looks over and, uh, and he sees a Roman soldier that's kind of off a little bit, you know, in the distance. But the Roman soldier sees him. Now, Jesus has just taught about going the extra mile. And they all understood this, okay? Going the extra mile, the reason he would even bring this up is because the Roman occupiers at that time by law, could make you, if you were a Jew, carry their gear, the heavy gear, for one mile. 
Didn't matter what you were doing. Didn't matter how busy you were. Didn't matter what was happening in your life. So I see this guy going, you, get over here. Come carry my stuff. This was an enemy. An enemy, you're going to have to go the mile because, well, you're going to be in trouble if you don't do this. But Jesus says, I want you to kick it up a notch. (laughs) You're going to go, even though it's inconvenient, you're going to go another mile. Jesus is saying, I know that's not a marshmallow. But do you know what he's saying? This is actually the key to a life of freedom. This is the key to the abundant life that I've come to give you. This is a key to where you're not just doing things, going through the motions. You're doing something that is because your heart has been gripped and changed by your Lord. I would just put it very simply. You're doing it because your Lord told you to. Next week, we'll talk about how Jesus even says, many of you call me Lord. You say, Lord, Lord. But what he says, but you don't do what I say. Okay, so it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> it's, it's not sugar-coated stuff, is it? It's not sugar-coated. And I would tell you that much of what Much of what gets taught because it's easier to teach as a pastor because we want people to like us. And much of what gets taught oftentimes is a sugar-coated gospel. And I got to tell you, that's one of the reasons why, why the church is struggling and suffering in the West to grow. So anyhow, he sees this guy, he tells him to go the extra mile, and he's like, but Jesus... They are our enemies. It sounded good up on the hill, but now I've got to put it into, not, it's not just theory, I've got to put it into practice. I was clapping because it was powerful whenever I heard it, but now I, are you telling me I've got to do this? That's what he's saying. That's the, key to, that's the key to the blessed kind of life. Jesus gives his powerful teaching. Okay, at the beginning of his talk, of this Sermon on the Mount, He's going to start with things like this. He's going to use this word blessed, blessed. This word blessed in the original language is makarios. Here's what it means, happy. And he's going to start with saying, happy are the poor in spirit. Do you know what that means? God, I humble myself and I need you first. Then he's going to say things like this, happy are the merciful. Happy are the humble in heart. Happy are those even when you're persecuted, right? You do that. And he's going to talk about this happy, blessed, abundant, full kind of life, not just heaven one day, which we look forward to that. But what he's talking about is bringing the kingdom of heaven right now through you and through me, through the way that we live in a world that is on the broad road to destruction. And he's talking about this, and he's saying it's not just the sweet stuff only to live the happy, truly blessed kind of life. Here's what Jesus is going to say. It's not just by what you hear every single week or in every message. What he's essentially saying is this. The blessing is in the doing. James would even talk about, don't just be a hearer of the word only. James would say, do something about it. Put your faith into practice. It's not 
the blessing is in the hearing. The hearing is important. You need to hear this. I need to hear from God daily. I need to read his word and take it in. But the real blessing is whenever I'm out living in the real world. And I'm not on the mountainside just listening to Jesus or listening to a sermon. You spend a majority of your time out there. And so if all we count on is this is the transformative place, we're missing, Jesus is saying, you're missing it. You're missing it. Your faith is impotent. I love that Jesus, when we look at his life, one of the things that I love so much about him is that Jesus didn't just tell us or tell them to go live like this. He modeled this life. And what he was saying is live like me. Turn the other cheek. Pray for people that are ugly to you. It'll actually free you up. Don't carry grudges. <laughs> don't, don't look to retaliate all the time. Don't be prideful. He would model this. And it made me think about this, okay? It made me think about one of the examples would be the disciples had been with Jesus for three They'd been with him for three years, and he'd been teaching them all of this. They'd been on the mountaintop with him much. And here, it's the day before he's going to be crucified. And he's been telling them, they're about to kill me. And he says, we're going to have a final meal together. One of you is going to betray me. All of you are going to deny me. They're like, no, 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 no. And uh, they have this meal, and here's what you should know. The city was packed with people, which means there were tons of animals there. They had dirt, a lot of dirt roads, and so they wore sandals, so their feet were filthy. Okay, feet are already gross, but these were really gross because now there's dust, there's animal waste, there's everything. And what would happen is you would go into a person's home, and the person who was a servant or the lowest in the pecking order would be responsible for washing feet. When you would come in, not just because they didn't want you to track it in, but because there's a table that, you, that was a low table, you would recline, you would have your meal, and your feet would be next to somebody that would be next to you, their feet would be next to you. Praise God for tall tables today. I love the Lord for that, okay? But here's the thing. Someone needed to wash feet, but there wasn't a servant there. I guarantee you that wasn't an accident. Jesus I'm sure arranged it like this. These guys had been fighting all day about who was going to be great. Who was the greatest among them? He's been teaching them about how to be great for three years, and he said it's through humility, not pride. It's through service. It's not by being served. And now there is a standoff in this room. Judas is getting ready to betray him. Peter probably looks around. He's like, I'm not washing feet. I'm Peter. I walked on water. The rest of you suckers stood and stayed in the boat. You know, I was at least for a couple of seconds. John, you wash feet. John's like, I'm not washing feet. I'm the beloved. He loves me more than the rest of you. I'm not washing feet. Make, make Judas do it. Judas is like, I'm not washing feet. I, I take care of the money. Make Bartholomew do it. Who's named Bartholomew? Make him do that, okay? Seriously, come on. And these guys are fighting. And then at this moment, when nobody would do this, when Jesus has been teaching, I imagine he's just going, I still don't get it. He goes over to this basin. He takes off his robe. They're fighting still. He pours water in and they see the master, the Lord, doing this. 
he, you know the story, he begins to wash their feet. And I imagine, when I put myself in that room, the silence is deafening. I can hear the water sloshing. That shut them up fast. And he washes all of their feet, including the betrayer's feet. And then do you know what he says to them? Guys, you've been fighting, and you think you're great, and this is what makes you great. In John 13, this is what he says to them. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Now look at what he says. Do as I have done to you. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for hearing them. That's not what it says. Doing them. The blessed life is attached to the doing. It's putting it into practice. It's not just consuming only the pieces that you want. It's taking even the things that are a tough call into discipleship and saying, Lord, this is one of the hardest things ever, but this is something that I'm trusting you that you have said that this is what leads to the blessed kind of life, not just in heaven one day alone, but even here on this earth. It's taking these things, and I want you to know it's not just the information, it's the transformation. And as, as, we, as we think about how he kind of brought his message to a close, this imagery of the narrow gate, the reason he says it's a narrow gate is because the way the world does things is this broad road that is packed with people. Years ago, I, um, I went to India, and I've never been around more people than when I was in India and I had a host who said, stay with me. This is, a, this is a road in Hyderabad where I was there. And I didn't take that picture, but that's what it was like. And he said, stay with me or you will get lost. And it is a sea of humanity on that road that is moving. And, and, and here's the thing. Jesus said, everybody else in the world, that's just a metaphor, okay, of what I'm telling you, what he probably had in his mind. There was a road like that. Everybody else is on this road. It's the easy road. It's not countercultural. It goes with the flow. In fact, if you go against the flow, you're going to stand out. But here's the thing. Here's what he says. That's the road that everybody is on. But when you make the tough choice to do the things that I've said to do that just isn't the sweet marshmallows, you're going to be more on a road like this. By the way, you don't need to be on that road alone. That's why you need a church family. Because a road like this, if you try to go it alone, it is lonely. Because doing the right thing, doing it's often the hard thing. Jesus said the road would be difficult. That's why we need each other. It's why we need a church family. It's why we need a life group. That's why we need people we're walking with. Because here's the reality. You're going to be confronted with some tough choices. But what Jesus is calling us to is to choose the path that leads to real life. To make the tough choice. What that may look like for you is over the next few weeks, 
you're going to have to decide whether you're going to be prideful with a person that you have a prideful relationship with or you're going to humble yourself and trust the Lord to work. You may have to decide to forgive somebody. By the way, we teach a lot about what forgiveness is and what it's not. It's basically it's taking them off of your hook, putting them onto God's. But God's calling you maybe to forgive and to reconcile in a relationship with someone, maybe someone who has hurt you deeply or betrayed you. You're going to be in a place where maybe there's an enemy that you have in your life, and the Lord is going to call you even to love your enemy. That is not a marshmallow. But he said it. But in the loving of the enemy, you say, I don't feel it. Here's what love really is. You don't go with your feelings first. You start with the actions. And the actions oftentimes begins to transform the feelings. Start with the actions. Some of you are going to be in a place where, where, where you're going to have to decide to make a tough choice. And this is what I want to urge you to do, okay? We're, this is going to be a three-week series. To be here, to keep coming, to, to keep doing business with God. And when you, when you face this tough choice, understand that this is what Jesus said, that this is the key to the true, blessed, free kind of life. And that's what he wants for us now. It's not easy, but he said, I'll be with you on this road. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me today. And as we just bring this conclusion, Jesus said, it's a narrow gate or a wide gate. I think the thing that we have to, have to think about is uh, which, which gate am I on? Which road am I, or which gate am I going through? Which road am I on? Which foundation am I building my life upon? What the world says is the way to life or what Jesus says is the way to life? Which tree am I am I a tree that's bearing fruit or am I this tree that is just barren with no true fruit being produced? I want to be really clear that the way to heaven Jesus said is it's through faith in him. It's not by your good works or being a religious person. The way to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ, by his grace. We don't earn our way there by being religious. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today you can say, Jesus, I want to receive you as my savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you've been raised from the dead. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Save me. The way to heaven is by grace through faith. Listen to me, the way to abundant life that Jesus said that we can have right now is by following me, obeying me, doing the tough things, making the tough choices. The broad road's filled with bitterness, retaliation, grudges, rage, selfishness, pride. That's what everybody's doing. And Jesus would say, that's a death march. There's no joy in that. There's no peace in that. It's sucking the life out of you. So maybe there's an attitude that you would say, Lord, I'm, over these next three weeks, Lord, help me adjust this attitude to come in alignment with you. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe there's somebody you just struggle with so much that you're just gonna need to ask God to take your pride down and actually be kind in spite of how they act. Which road are you?
choosing. Father, I thank you that you give us the truth the way that you do. And it's, Lord, it's covered in your grace. And I thank you that you don't sugarcoat things, Lord. You tell us the, the real way to life. And I know what you want for this church, for this group of people, is for us, Lord, to be. You would even talk in your sermon on the mount about being salt in a decaying world, about being light in darkness. And Lord, the way that we are salt and the way that we experience light is by doing what you say. So Father, may your peace, your grace, your joy fill your people. And when we walk out of here today, Lord, may we be more like you. May you give us the strength to make the tough choices when it comes to following you and the courage, Lord, to do the right thing. We look forward to the transformation that you bring and the joy and abundant life you have for us. And it's in your powerful name we pray.